Not ready? Too bad. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it! Hello and welcome to Review Time's Theme Parkcast. This is a fortnightly show where we discuss all the ins and outs of attractions and parks, or sometimes just the lands from parks from around the world. My name is Dom, and welcome back to season four of this theme podcast. A brand new show. Wow, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> My name is Dom, and welcome back to season four of Review Time's theme podcast, where we continue a series which I think started in season two. This is where we go through Tokyo Disney Sea and discuss it in length, and we thought that this would maybe take about three episodes, and I think we're up to like the eighth. I don't know how many we'll have at the end of it. Maybe we'll just have a whole podcast dedicated to exploring these lands, because Disney Sea has a lot to talk about. But before we get into it, I have to do introduce my co host. It's the man who found his dream girl at the green tea store. You could say it was a matcha made in heaven. It's Review Time's co-host, Luke Carroll. I don't know how many episodes we are in, but there's more to talk about. I thought we were at least halfway at this point. And then earlier today, I was like, oh, how many we got to go? And I counted how many lands we have left. And there's still like five episodes of the lands that we haven't talked about. And then another episode when we end up talking about Fantasy Springs. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we've got a long way to go. But you know what else has a long way to go? The introduction, Um, because before we jump into the show, I want to give a quick shout out to our newest patrons, Nathan Evans, Paul Livoci, and Matt. Just Matt. It's just Matt. Hey, Matt. As well as longtime patrons, Tyler Davis, Josh Siebert, and Sean... Sean? Is that S-E-A-N? I always think it's Sean, but it's Sean. Sean, You know how Sean can be spelled two different ways? It's like S-H-A-W-N and then there's Oh, I thought you meant how seen the word, like you can see things can be spelled two ways. No, No, I mean like S-E-A-N. Yeah, Sean, the name's Sean. Yeah, that's Sean. That's Sean. Because it's like, well, eat is E-A-T. Why is this not Sheen? Sheen. Is that Shane with an <laughs> Irish accent? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's Sean Moore. For more exclusive content, including the newest episode of our Adults Only Parks After Dark podcast, where we talk about a really bad Disney creepypasta, check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash review time. So we're talking about Tokyo Disney Sea we're today. Back. We're back at Tokyo Disney Sea. We couldn't stay away for too long, though I think it has been like 12 episodes since we last talked about it it essentially becomes oh if we got anything to talk about this week i know what we've always got to talk about (laughs) tokyo disney sea we had a lot of episodes where we were talking about last year in review uh Australian theme parks, then we went on a hiatus for a while. So we're back. We're finally back. We're doing one land at a time. If you haven't listened, we've already talked about uh, Mediterranean Harbour, American Waterfront, Port Discovery. And I feel like there was maybe even an episode where we talked about the the part where you walk into the park. Yes. I'm fairly certain that we got 40 minutes into the first podcast and realized that we hadn't yet started talking about the park. Uh, As well as like, look, in fairness, some of these could be like 30 minutes. Others could be like two hours because some of these lands are stacked. Like American Waterfront has literally like 50 attractions. Meanwhile, you've got Port Discovery that has 
six. Uh, I'm pretty sure we still talked about Port Discovery last episode for over an hour. And Lost River Delta has uh, probably going to be another hour as well because... as a little teaser, if you know review time, you know this episode, you know this series, mm. you know that this has been coming. It's finally time for us to talk about the the hangar stage show. That's all, that's all oh. I'm going to say for now, but we'll come yeah. back to the hangar stage. Because if you want, you can always follow along uh, as we read through the map. We go in numerical order, which means we are starting out with the e-ticket of the land and probably one of the biggest e-tickets in the entire park. That is Indiana Jones Adventure. But this isn't, this is no Temple of the Forbidden Eye. This is no. Temple of the Crystal Skull. Completely no relation to the film about the Crystal Skull because this came but out well before that film. <laughs> sponsored by Crystal Skull Vodka. <laughs> no, it's but- sponsored by Panasonic, I believe. Oh, well, okay. it used to be. I'm not sure if it still is. <laughs> Well, we'll uh, we'll put this little bit slightly older map um, because we're looking at it kind of around the time from when we went. Yeah, we'll this put is that the last the time I went. If you want to so follow the, along, uh, the thirty fifth anniversary, uh, which is five years ago now, so that makes me feel old. Yeah, <laughs> this that went very, and it's been six years since you were there because we were there the year before earlier uh, well, together. Like before- before we get into uh, the, the Indiana Jones adventure, should we kind of set the scene for Lost River Delta? Mm. Yeah, you, you're walking through the land. Most of the time, you're going to be coming to this land either from Mermaid Lagoon, Arabian Coast, or Port Discovery. There are actually quite a lot of ways to get to this and land. this feels like it's, it's in the middle of nowhere, this land. I know it's not technically, but mm. for what the land is meant to be as we're about to go through, it somehow just separates itself enough from the rest of the park that it really does feel like the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so, you know, you've got a river which kind of incorporates in with the seas. This is probably the least sea land in the entire park because it's, you know, the delta is a river or, well, I guess a delta is connected to a sea. Mm. You know, you've got the, uh, the, the, Delta near Cairo, I think. I'm not too strong on my geography. Let's be honest. I review <laughs> theme parks, not uh, land masses. Well, this um, is a, a, a South American themed land. Yeah, uh, so it's here. a mixture of kind of like Aztec, mm. you know, Mexican and Spanish inspired cuisine is featured throughout the uh, the land. But when, once you get there, it's kind of surrounded by palm trees. It's really lush. You've got this big temple in the background, and that's the big weenie for Indiana Jones Adventure. This could probably be the analog of, say, Adventureland over at Disneyland because it's very lush. And in fairness, I would say that this does a better job at encapsulating Adventureland than Disneyland's Adventureland in Tokyo because that Adventureland's weird. Yeah, the Tokyo... Yeah. It kind of actually... I don't know. We talked about it before on the show, but just the Disneyland lands in general, and I think it genuinely has a lot to do with the ground being just painted concrete you never quite get mm. the feeling that you are in a different place where every single land at Tokyo Disney feels like you are in a different place. Yeah. <laughs> at Disney Sea, sorry. The one about Tokyo Disneyland is it's kind of like a square. So you're mm. in the middle of almost like a, a a little square of different inspirations. Like over one side, you've got kind of like 
Middle Eastern inspired buildings. And then on the other side, you've got a pagoda, which is just like, this is confusing. There's <laughs> all of these different inspired things. It's not really like uh, Disneyland Paris, for example, where you got Adventureland there. But this does a better job. This feels very adventurous. You feel like you're in the middle of a jungle. You've got little camps everywhere. And it's like, splattered with little indiana jones references as well so yeah, you've got the plane, plane from indiana the jones C3, is that the c3po plane i think I isn't that so, its tail yeah. it says yeah c3po uh, it's is, a replica it's not the real one you know, yeah they couldn't from, get it all the way over to tokyo um <laughs> but uh, then you know you you come up on this land and you'll see this big weenie the the indiana jones adventure temple of the crystal skull and you go I want to go on that. However, if you walk towards the weenie, you're not actually going to get on it because mm. it's kind of like, if I remember, it's depending on how busy it is, kind of determines where the start of the line is. The entrance is like <laughs> off to the right, I believe. So you start walking towards it and then you'll get like kicked out to the right of, a little bit. But sometimes it can be on the left. <laughs> Oh really? It was I've really never, it was really confusing. I've, I remember like you walk towards this temple and then go, Where's the entrance? Yeah. And you kind it's of like stumble kind around of for a little bit. Exploration feel. Um, it's animal it kingdom. doesn't have like a big sign that's like Indiana Jones Adventure, Temple of the Crystal Skull, right this way. Mm. It's just kind of like you walk towards the temple and you take a left and you kind of just have to know that that's the queue. There's just like yeah. people and you're like, I guess this is the queue for whatever's inside this temple. And unlike most of the other lands, which are kind of like, say, Mysterious Island, which is a loop, uh, Lost River Delta is kind of just like two walkways. So you mm. will come across it eventually. It's not like you will just get lost and never be able to come across this. But well, that's kind of the whole you theme. could, in theory, if you didn't cross a bridge, you could, in theory, get stuck in the middle of this park and never go to Lost River Delta. That's Will true. you go to the one half of it where the, the stage and the restaurant is, but not the other half? But I don't know oh, what why a you disappointing cross land a if you, if you <laughs> did it that really way. I don't really get this. Why do people like this? Now, what's your thoughts on Temple of the Crystal Skull? Because I know you're a huge fan of the original Indiana Jones attraction. This is a replica, but like kind of, kind yeah. of a replica of the so one I, at Disneyland. I, uh, Indiana Jones Adventure is one of my favorite dark rides in the world. This version of the ride is both not as good, but also better at the same time. Because what they mm. did was they learned from Disneyland. So essentially all of the really impressive effects that they were like, oh, these are really nice. And then Disneyland was like, yeah, but they don't really work all the time. <laughs> so what they did in Tokyo is they replaced a lot of those effects with effects that do work more consistently, even if they're not quite as impressive. So there's no real fire effects in this. They use mm. like a, it's kind of like a tornado of wind instead of the tornado of fire. But that effect yeah. works every time. Um, and that's you know. something that's really interesting about this attraction is that I got the exact same impression. Like when you go on Indiana Jones adventure at Disneyland and everything's working, it will blow your mind. There is so much happening. And something about Temple of the Crystal Skull is that you go on it and you're like, wow, this is amazing. But it just kind of lacks that 
extra step that would turn it into a spectacle. And that's exactly why is because they went, we need things that are reliable. People aren't going to want to experience this attraction if it's not working to its full potential all the time. And that's what we both experienced last time we went to Disneyland. You were like, yes, Temple, uh, not Temple of the Crystal Skull. You're like, Indiana Jones Adventure, let's go. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited. And I remember we both came off it going like, oh, the boulder wasn't working, <laughs> the flames weren't working, the snake wasn't working. Like every major effect that's usually like a wow moment didn't work. And that, of course, not having the boulder, it, that's pretty much your last memory of the ride. Like that is mm. the big finale to the ride. I get it'd be like if Rise of the Resistance instead of the like drop right at the end of the ride, you just like walked off at that point and they're like, okay, thanks for coming. <laughs> or just like, oh, we have to evacuate and your vehicle like goes around a corner and you're just outside. <laughs> just <laughs> go through a door and you're like, oh, oh we did it. Did Congrats, it. guys. Come on Who through. knew this ship was on the ground the entire time? <laughs> Wasn't uh, that handy? Yeah. So the, the Tokyo one does have the boulder effect, thankfully. So they didn't get rid of all the really impressive mm. stuff. That's still one of the most impressive practical effects in a theme park. It also has a better queue, I would say. Because, yes. Well, it has a better queue now. So the old Disneyland queue is incredible, but because of Genie and FastPass and all that, you spend most of your time waiting outside if you're in the standby queue and you only spend about 20 minutes inside, even though I believe the indoor queue was meant to be like 90 minutes to two hours purely indoors back when it was standby only, where this version has, it kind of, it's worked out better for the FastPass queue. So you spend longer in this temple. It has this huge main room in the queue that you stand in. It's got this big kind Mm. of god, I guess, or some like sculpture standing over you. And you can see where they've been, you know, excavating this. And you're inside the, you know, the Aztec pyramid. You can tell from where you are. And that room's really impressive. And it's still a really good ride. And, you know... Take this and put it anywhere in the Magic Kingdom and it will probably be the best ride in the entire park. It's just out of Tokyo Disney Sea. It's a really good ride. And yeah, I don't know. I also feel whatever the first version you've been on of this will probably be your favorite version. If you went on this before Disneyland, you probably like it more. The best way I can explain this is like, as you were saying, when you're first going to the queue, you have to at some point go into this Aztec temple that you can see. And they've done this really cleverly because, of course, the Aztec temple isn't built to size, but then you go inside it and it feels really big because they use a lot of forced perspective and a lot of different tricks to make this first atrium look gigantic and then you sort of go through all of the different show scenes and they're all inspired from the movie i remember like there's one part where they need to make sure like the sun hits a certain thing Mm. in the particular way and something that's really cool about this is that depending on what time of day you go Mm. through the attraction like it will be less illuminated um, at night and you'll have like more blue lighting and all of that. But then once you actually get into the attraction itself, it's very similar except blue. That's the best way (laughs) I can explain it. Everything's really blue. (laughs) Uh, They don't at all have the moving door effect. So in the same sort of way, we're talking about the effects that aren't in it anymore. The revolving door, even though that doesn't work anymore at Disneyland, that wasn't installed at all. Same with the fire. Um... I yeah, I was about to say, if you've been to Disneyland in the last decade, then you, won't you wouldn't know what, know what, what we're talking anyway. about. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's kind of the way that it's ended up anyway. But yeah, this is, it's an incredible ride. Don't, don't get us wrong. It, it really, you can definitely tell that it was, hey, let's take 80% of Indiana Jones Adventure and make the unreliable 20% more reliable. I think as well, this shows the strength of the rest of the park, considering that this is mostly a clone. Like, it's the most clony attraction mm. out of anything in the entire park. Even considering you've got Tower of Terror, where the ride system is identical to mm. the other Tower of Terrors at Disney California and at Disneyland Paris. Um, not the one in Walt Disney World, World because yeah. that's a different ride system. But because they've completely changed the story and the theming and the setting and all of that, it feels completely different. Whereas yeah. this is the closest that they've got. Actually, it's the second most. The other is one that we'll talk about a little bit later, which is a roller coaster. Oh, it's yeah. real bad. <laughs> I always forget he's in this park. It's like, oh, why is this here? Yeah, it's a cool sign. It has a, it has a, a cool sign. That's like the it only good It does have a cool sign. <laughs> about this. But yeah, Indiana Jones Adventure. If you like Indiana Jones Adventure, you'll like this. If you haven't been on Indiana Jones Adventure, you'll like this. It's You'll think this best, is spectacular. It's one of the best theme park rides in the world, even though it debuted at Disneyland almost 30 years ago. And it's still mm. one of the best uh, best rides in the world. As we're saying, don't be fooled. Don't think this is based off the dreadful Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull or whatever, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, whatever that film was called. That, ri- that film's bad. This ride's good. Don't. It is based off this film, though, which is really weird. No, but it's not. So it, the loosely. film came out after. Really? Yeah, this is a, this is an opening day attraction, which is 2001. Uh, in the Crystal Skull film is like 2010 or something, isn't but it? I thought it was kind of in tandem. No, I thought there was no, no. something to do with, like, they knew that they would get there because some of the things are identical. Like, the actual crystal skull looks like the weird elongated crystal skull from no, the it, it looks more like a skull. It actually does look more like a skull. It doesn't have that, like, goo head. Ah. Yeah, it okay, just looks so- like a boxy skull. At least the it's one where the Mara, <laughs> the part where it's like, don't look into Mara's eyes. It's like, don't look into the skull. And mm. th- th- that that one does look like the crystal skull vodka skull. Well, look, in fairness, we actually don't know what it says because it's in Japanese. So it could say, <laughs> look directly at the skull. Meanwhile, Go we're looking elsewhere. Indiana Jones like- and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull now in IMAX. <laughs> Look at these two white guys who aren't looking at the crystal skull. Okay, go to hell. That's what the ride's saying. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah, but out a, of ten, what's your what's your rating uh, of this and, attraction? A nine, I guess. Yeah, I love the, how we ragged on it. It's like, oh yeah, it's next to perfect. <laughs> yeah, the well, I would say the other version is when it's working well is ten out of ten. That's a perfect mm. ride in my. I would say there's maybe five rides in the world that I would give a perfect. 10 out of 10 to Indy's one of them. The OG. I reckon Indy. I could rate them. I reckon it's Rise of the Resistance, yep. Spider-Man at uh, that park that you really like, Islands, Islands of Adventure. Adventure. And I like as well. The way I said that was like, <laughs> that I don't like it. I do like dumb it. park that you like. <laughs> that, you know, best theme park oh, in Orlando. I that hate one. going to Orlando. <laughs> it's the worst. Um, and then I reckon Rise of the Resistance. Uh and then uh, Superstar Limo. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's number one. Now, one of them would be the original Tower of Terror. Yeah, at, at, at Studios. 
Though I would, uh, I'd be hard pressed to figure out what your fifth one is. Poseidon's Fury, baby! Oh, I always think of that as uh, entertainment That's a show, or experiences. So, yeah, I yeah, can. I get, it's an attraction. So, yeah, I get um, that. But those, you'll notice pretty much of all those rides are all dark rides. Cause I'm a dark ride boy. I like a, I like a good dark ride. My other one in the top five <laughs> is actually Journey to the Center of the Earth from Tokyo Disney Sea. It's not actually both. Poseidon's Fury. That's in my top attract, uh, shows of all time. Ah, okay, but the fair. other one is actually in this park. It's Journey Look to at- the Center of the Earth. I think both at very similar times on our US road trip figured out that uh, we're both more theme park people than like rides than people. Coasters, because, and yeah. Yeah, we, we were going on these roller coasters and that that people from around the world like, oh, you have to They're do them. Bucket They're bucket list rides for so many people. And they'll like, you know, I, I had a really good experience on things like Iron Gwazi and that. But then you hit stuff like Intimidator 305 mm. where it feels like my skull is being <laughs> torn out of my head. Like if I don't hold it, that it's just going to fly out the back of me. Every time like, I like fumble or stumble over my words in the podcast, I'm pretty sure it's because of Intimidator 305. I'm it, on it like brain no hasn't kidding. Recovered. <laughs> Ever since I got back from that road trip, every time I stand up too quickly, I feel dizzy. And I legitimately <laughs> think that I did something to my brain. Like, you know that illness that pro footballers get from, like, getting their head knocked too many that's times? That's riding Intimidator 3 or 5 once. You got the same thing. But that's also really sad. It's a very uh, yeah, d- it's... intense uh, illness. Anyway, moving on. We um, talked about indie. Nine out of ten. Oh, dr- that shows you this park. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Oh, dreadful, woeful. No, it's a really good ride. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's also at the back of the park, so if you kind of rush over there, it'll be a very short wait for like the first hour, hour and a half of the day. Even if it's not, probably not what we would suggest doing. Um, but it's also twenty minutes between like the back and the front. Yeah, this park is deceptively big. It doesn't look that big if you look at a park map, and it isn't Epcot big. Let's, mm. Like, it's not, but you would think you could walk f- to Indy in five minutes if you looked at the map, but you're looking at a good 10 to 15, probably. I remember, like, the old way to tackle this park was you kind of went, you started at uh, Toy Story Midway Mania, then you did Tower of Terror. Like, you got a fast pass for Midway Mania, mm. then went and did Tower of Terror. Then you would go back to Mysterious Island, do the main attraction there which for some reason has just gone out of my journey head to the center um, oh journey to the center of the earth and then you would kind of make your way back to toy story where you would do that and then you would work your way around mm. the american waterfront towards port discovery that's what i remember and, you end up and by very, the time you hit yeah. port discovery it will legit be like 2 p.m yeah this is a huge park <laughs> and there's nothing I would, well, there's one, there's probably only one ride in this whole park that I would say is skippable if you have to, and that's Nemo and Friends Sea Rider. Everything but if else. You're Storm Rider, no, <laughs> do that. Everything else, and then obviously some of the flight rides in Mermaid Lagoon, but everything else is a yeah, do it. But one thing that might not be a yeah, do it is probably one of the first things I would, I would cut from it if you've got to. If you've got a limited time, that's what we'll talk about next. That's Raging Spirits, which has a much more exciting name than the attraction actually is. Yeah, so this is a duplicate of 
a roller coaster which of all places this wasn't put in at Walt Disney Studios Park this was a roller coaster <laughs> put in at Disneyland Paris like the actual magic kingdom of the Disneyland Paris resort and it's the most out of place attraction ever because I, I can't even remember the story as to why they did this. I think it was in the point where they're like, we need thrill rides and we need them fast. Because we when need that- rides. I think it was, it was um, I believe, one of, if not the first thing to open at this park after it opened. And people were like, there's not enough thrill rides for mm. Parisians. And they were like, well, here's a thrill ride. Yeah. But it's such a bizarre roller coaster because... If you've done any other roller coaster, including, I would say, Space Mountain, mm. then this will be underwhelming, despite it having a loop, which is probably the most intimidating part that feels like nothing. <laughs> it's, I don't know what it is. It must be the size of the loop partnered with how bulky and ridiculously restrictive the restraints are. This loop... If you were to sneeze when you were going around the loop, you think you were on the, like, straightest piece of track of all time. It feels (laughs) like literally nothing. It's... The best way I can describe it is this coaster experience isn't like most roller coasters where, you know, Space Mountain, once you start going down, the even though it does kind of trim you every now and then, you slow down a little bit, for the most part, it's just full on. Like you constantly get faster and faster as the ride experience goes on. Whereas for Raging Spirits, it's like you go up the lift hill, you go down a first drop, you immediately hit a brake run and slow mm. right down. Then you'll go around a corner slow slowly do another drop hit another brake run slow right down and it just keeps on doing that so like you get a wee stop go around the corner wee stop and then it hits the loop where you're like oh no here comes the loop and it's like it feels like you're on revolution at six flags magic (laughs) mountain because it's like oh put your head back oh you gotta be careful it's a scary loop and then it like goes oh and you just like go through it so quickly the loop (laughs) and it's Oddly, somehow Disney invented a loop that feels like nothing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so, so hard to describe. I just don't get... And this this ride didn't open with the park either. So it's not as if they, you know, were like, oh, we need a roller coaster. This park needs a roller coaster or people aren't going to come here. This ride opened in 2005. Mm. That's four years after the park opened. It's in the... I don't... It, it literally... It, it it's worked in well. It does look like it fits. Like it looks really nice, the and theming, it's one of those. That- it's better off ride than on. It has this sick waterfall out the front where there's flames and there's a waterfall, but the flames are coming through the waterfall. That's awesome. Mm. That's probably the best part of the entire ride. Except it has the coolest warning sign of all time yes i love this warning sign it has would you like to describe yeah, it? It, it this sign is essentially like i don't know people in japan must hate the idea of going upside down if they're not aware that they're going to be going upside down and because the mm. loop is kind of hidden i would say in this ride they have a warning sign out the front that in English and Japanese, is just like, warning, 360 degree loop. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's normal. But the sign spins. The sign has like a roller coaster, painting of a roller coaster car on it. 
and every like 30 seconds it'll spin around just as if yeah, it wasn't it, like, clear. Sp- Spins in a 360. It's ridiculously cute, and I just love it. It's the it's the reason why this is the best ride in the park. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Don't ride only- it. Just go and witness the ride. Go look at the sign. Just go admire the sign. Also, you know the facade where you were saying there's like a waterfall mm. and the waterfall's on fire. That's the raging spirits. It's two gods who are fighting each other. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah, I never put two and two together. But it's like if you read it, it's like speed through an excavation of ancient gods aboard this roller coaster. And I think the story is kind of like Indiana Jones came here and they were excavating this temple and they built all of like the mine carts. Because you're in little mine carts. I don't think we really explained that. Mm. Um and it's quite a small roller coaster. It's like two by two by two trains, and then it's only two cars per train Mm. um and basically it was like oh that's all of the excavation uh material you know they use the minecarts to get everything around around, and it's really well themed like it's really well done it's just too well themed really right quality i'm sorry it's too Mm. good it doesn't deserve it now oddly enough they stepped it up from the one in disneyland paris because it's the exact same ride still extremely boring but the temple is also a bit worse, I would say. It's not as exciting. Like it's kind of just like, ah, yes, here's an well, excavation that one's site. To Indiana fun. Jones, like actually Indiana Jones, right? And it's in the the plot mm. of land where apparently Paris was actually going to get the Indiana Jones adventure ride, and then they they didn't. So they put this in <laughs> instead because it was a lot cheaper and it was at the time where they couldn't afford it. Uh, but apparently. The Disneyland Paris one used to go backwards at one point, (laughs) but the Tokyo one's never gone backwards, so that's something. I think I experienced the backwards one. It couldn't be worse, could it? I guess it could be worse. I do remember, like, going through a loop and being like, wee, but it was backwards. Um, Maybe that's why I remember the Paris one, the ride experience being just slightly better. It rings (laughs) a bell. I'll look up the timing of that because I reckon that'll check out. If it's around the same time that a dude had something fall on his head on Big Thunder Mountain, then that's that's roughly the time. That was the day that I went to Disneyland Paris. Uh, So... Yeah, those are the two rides. It was pretty much nothing to say. It's a coaster. It's literally a coaster. Look at a POV. You could literally sit in your house on a chair, have somebody behind you just kind of just kind of push the chair back and no, forth. No, that's a more little... forceful. Oh, that's too forceful. <laughs> and just watch a POV. There you go. You've ridden you've ridden Raging Spirits at Tokyo Disney Sea. It also you gets a ridiculously over, long line for what it is. Yeah, it does get like 90-minute waits. Not worth it. I I think because it's like the only roller coaster in the park, technically. Now, oh, how you know, dare some you? Could- that is erasure of the greatest ride in the park, Flounder's out- Flying Fish Coaster. Ah, oh, true. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say the other one, which is in Mystery Island or Mysterious Island. This isn't Scooby Doo, Spooky Island. <laughs> I wish. Um, uh, Journey? Journey? Journey to the center of the earth. No, that's a, that's technically, a test track. That's a slot car ride system. It's Don't it's they say that track. like kind of is a oh, coaster? Yeah, if you're an idiot, maybe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Not you. Whoever says that, they're wrong. That's a, that's a patented test track ride system. I believe that it is actually literally called the slot car ride system. Yeah, because it's basically like a, a single rail, essentially. Yeah, underneath. It's like the... 
vehicle goes on a, a bus bar. Mm. It's really crazy when you look it up. But like There's some pictures. The I've occasionally seen pictures of it. Like it's like there's the more underneath. vehicle underneath yeah. the track than there is above it because it's all self-propelled as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's propelled by both the bus bar as well as the, the actual tires. tires. Yeah. It's really funky. Um, probably very expensive, which is classic Disney back in these days where they're like, we need a ride system. Let's just make something that works, albeit is not efficient at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, we've got one last attraction we have to talk about uh, in the land. That is the Disney Sea Transit Steamliner. There's a stop here so you can sit on the boat. I believe this boat, by the time you wait for it, is longer than just walking. But it's it's a nice scenic drive around. Yeah, it does uh, actually board, though, from the other side of the yeah. river. So if you're on this the attraction side of the river, mm. there's like the attraction side... And then I would say there's the the food and bev and show yeah. side. So there's not really much else over the other side, which oh, brings us. There's two. There's two two restaurants. Oh, um, okay. We the Yucatan Base Camp Grill, which I've eaten here. I have no recollection of what I ate. It was something thirty really? fifth themed, like a snack. I want to say it was some type of small dessert snack or drink, alcoholic drink or something. I remember going in here because it's nicely well-themed inside, and that's all I remember. So whatever I had was clearly not memorable at <laughs> all. Uh, you can also I didn't even realise. Oh, really? Oh, not yeah, in the same place, the over on this side of the thing. Uh, but I went to meet Mickey there once, and it was... Uh, like an hour to meet Mickey. So instead I went to meet Goofy and all Goofy would go on about was that I was tall, as tall as him. <laughs> I feel like that's most of the character experiences yeah, it's here. it's all about size, height, tummy size. That's all the characters know how to interact with you about, apparently. True. Which makes they, they probably don't understand whatever we say to them. Like, very <laughs> we're like neat. Well, <laughs> elsewhere they've also got Expedition Eats, which is a wagon Iconic selling name. Yucatan sausage rolls. I don't know what that is. That kind of um, sounds good, but also kind could also be not very good at all. Like, it could go either way. Sausage hmm. roll? I love. Nope. I looked it up. It looks disgusting. <laughs> It's literally like, you know, the dinner roll that you like when you were a kid and you were having a, a fancy dinner, you might have got oh. the, the Woolworths d- bake at home dinner rolls. Which mum chucked in the oven. Chucked for in like the oven, but minutes? it was like freshly baked bread. And mm. you would put a bit of butter on them. It looks like they've hollowed one of those out and put an anemic white sausage in the middle. <laughs> That's the Yucatan oh. sausage dog. Sausage dog is the translation for sausage roll, oh. apparently. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, don't. It, it's made me lost my appetite, and it's coming up to dinner time. So I'm, I hope I get it back in 
the next hour or so before dinner time. Elsewhere on this side of the uh, the river, you've also got expedition photo archives. There's lots of expedition stuff, so I think expedition theme park should go here. Hey, this uh, is and they just have hang out. Yeah, he belongs here. Uh, this is where they have the iconic. You get your photo after Indiana Jones Adventure, but in order for you to not take a photo of it with your phone, it has like rolling boulders bouncing across yes! the screen. I remember that like each attraction has their own yeah. like special way of doing it instead of just like having the no photo yeah. filter. Um, Which it's is got cool. that alongside like on Space Mountain, they have like stars flying over and mm. stuff like that. It's really nifty. Um, there's also two spots on this side of the river where you can get hair bands. I imagine hair bands must be Maybe either Mickey frequently ears? lost on both the attractions here or maybe they just really need two it, spots because they're right next to each other. It, I, my thought is maybe it's a translation of Mickey ears. Maybe like headbands. Headbands. Because hairbands for me are the yeah. things like the little elastic your, things your, that go your, around. You know, your ponytail. Yeah. Back. Which is interesting because I would imagine that they'd have a pretty strong translation team or, well, or a localization some, team. So, Tokyo has a... They do have the traditional Mickey ears as well, but they do also have more of a headband style Mickey ear that doesn't just sit on your head, but it's like mm. elastic and it goes around the back of your head. So I remember oh, yeah, they true. had those before they had the now, you know, the, just the stiff kind of headband Mickey ears that most people wear. Mm. So maybe that that's part of the transition. I'm not sure. Uh, if you know what Peddler's Outpost or Lookout Traders sell, because they both sell hairbands, let us know because we don't know. Yeah, hit us up. Uh, there's also a very vague uh, store. That pretty much these are just the four stores that are in this land. Not a huge shop-heavy land. Uh, at 72, we've got Lost River Outfitters. So you have to cross the river to get to this one. It's right next door to one of the restaurants, but it just says it sells original items made here. I don't know what that means. <laughs> original <laughs> items. <laughs> It's one of a kind. Every item within there is one of a kind. The cast members come in every morning, just find whatever they can around the park, stick it together with glue, and then they sell it. Some days they've got like an exclusive Duffy. The other days they've got like the original ride sign for Tower of Terror. Like, we just found this out the back. Do you it's want it? It's original. It's one of a kind. Come on in, grab it. So make sure you check it out for uh, whatever original items made here means. Though, let's be honest, this was six years ago. It's probably a shop selling Duffy merchandise now. Every shop sells Duffy <laughs> merchandise. All 50 shops now just, <laughs> just sell Duffy's. Duffy. Uh, no, I'm, but that's the whole thing, is that you can only get Duffy from that one store. The McDuck store? The sc- no, the the one in uh, the American Waterfront, yeah, the, the one at Cape Cod. Oh, they it's- no, they have two. Remember, they have that one, but then they have the department store. Oh, really? The Mc- Scrooge McDuck store, which is like really well themed and kind of ironic that they only sell Duffy merch there because the whole oh, store true. is themed around like how much money Scrooge McDuck has. Oh, that's kind of ironic. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I would be interested to know like how merchandise sales are going because one of the whole things about this park is that people go there and get the exclusive merchandise when they would have a season pass. And it's like you would want to have the mm. latest Duffy and the costumes and you know Stella Lou and Shelly May and Ooh. Stella May and Louis Stell or hey, whatever their names are. We can work for them are. now. That's how they come up with <laughs> Louis Stell. 
know, your favorite Louis Stell. It's a mommy. An can I please worm. get the Louis Stell plush? No, we no, have seventeen got... Louis Stells at home. Oh, but please, the review time boys made it. It's <laughs> iconic. <laughs> I feel like we're avoiding the uh, talking about the entertainment venue right, so in this. No, we got, we've still got more to talk about. We've got oh, the okay. greatest we'll named. Some more. We've got the greatest <laughs> named. This might be the greatest named thing at the entire park. Mm-hmm. It's it's a shaved ice stand, and it's called Tropic Owls. <laughs> Tropic Owls. That's like that's good. That's good. It's like I don't care who tropic. you are. That's good. <laughs> this this reminds me of like iconic original Disney California yeah. Adventure. It's the same like guy. That sort I of stuff. It's the same guy. And the joke well, only works in English. Out. I'm sure. Like th- yeah. this joke would only work in English. So th- you know, th- it's funny. Whoever's it's doing the localization funny. is working overtime to a come bu- up with like interesting parts. There's actually a backstory to Tropic Owls. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, here we, here we go, everybody. This is a, just a little stand, by the way. Uh, <laughs> like, it sells churros and stuff like that. But here's the story. Mm. Under a tree where a chatty bird once roosted, Al the Chatterbox Toucan Bird once roosted here. He flew away one day, but when a food wagon was set up under the tree he always perched in... Everyone called the place Tropic Owls in his memory. Come reinforce yourself with some jungle snacks and be as energetic as good old Al. So this That's story in is English, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they cut down his tree, build a stand here, but hey, at least they're paying respects and selling churros in his name. Everyone loved the bird, but were very grateful when he left and his home was turned into a store. They have all they they sell t- tippy tortas. Tippo tortas. What's a tippo torta? It's it looks a little bit like a churro filled with chocolate. It looks kind of good oh. and looks a lot better than Yucatan <laughs> hot dog. <laughs> well, thank goodness that there's more Yucatans uh, elsewhere in the land because not only is there a stand that sells them at 73 because they must be so popular <laughs> that they have to have a stand and they literally have to ferry them across the river <laughs> to get over there. But there's but also got uh, Miguel's El Dorado ca- Cantina that sells Mexican. I've eaten here. The Mexican was what you would expect Mexican to be like in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> So that's all I need to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 76, which is the Yucatan base camp grill. That's the and that's one what you were talking I, I about before. It, yeah. I don't know what yeah, it is. That- don't know what it sells. I hope it doesn't sell the sausage. Smoked pork and chicken. Okay, that's what that, it says. That sounds like it could be okay. And it's hosted by Prima Oh, no, Meat I looked Packers. it up. It has this. Okay, now this thing is weird, but actually tastes good. So mm. it's a sausage. There's not yeah. the same sausage. This is like a oh, nice no. spiced sausage. Ooh, like but the one at Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, a little bit like that, but a bit thicker. Has that nice, you know, that snap you get from a nice oh, sausage? Yeah, like a chorizo. Yeah. For some reason, they stick a, a real animal bone in the sausage. So you hold the animal bone while you eat the sausage. But it's clearly a processed meat. So it's not 
whatever animal the bones from. So they're getting bones from some other animal to shove inside the sausage so you can eat it. Very strange, but actually tastes good. Makes me want to go vegetarian just hearing that. <laughs> it's it's weird, but like it's a very satisfying sausage to eat. Okay, I'll try I'll it. Look it up. They Next also have I go avatar there. food in this restaurant at the moment for some reason. Wait, the, like not the avatar. last Airbender, the Blue People. What food are they selling? Uh, they have a. It looks like you know the. Orb desserts they sell at Pandora, the world of Avatar. Kind of. Yeah, they're like space orbs, but they're just like moose with like a coating that makes them look shiny. Yeah, it looks like that. Interesting. Yeah, something that I feel like Disney does not excel at is like, oh, look at our exotic food. Because there was some stuff that you sent me through pictures of from like the Star Cruiser and that, where you were like, oh, it's delicious, but it looks like it will give me cancer. Ah, the blue <laughs> shrimp. No, my brain refused to eat those blue shrimp. They, I just eating them. I'm like, yeah, it tastes like like prawn, but it's blue, so I don't want to <laughs> eat the rest of it. Uh, can we just admire... They also have some one of the greatest food items at Tokyo Disney here. It's not assorted snack, beef jerky, sausage, chorizo, and french fries. That You can get that for mm, $5 for all of that stuff. Uh, but they also have the Mickey-shaped chicken nuggets here, which is $3 oh. for a cup of Mickey-shaped chicken nuggets. Food is very cheap in Japan. And also, it's like 60 US dollars to get into this park at the moment. Yeah, it's... Well, that's cheap. Mm -hmm. Compared to like... No, that's what I'm saying. It's like half the price of the US parks. And then once you're inside, merchandise is quite expensive. Mm. But, oh, the food is ridiculously cheap. I will say as well that the merchandise is one of those things where you kind of need to go... With a lot of money and a lot of space. Because the yeah. good stuff, the stuff that's worthwhile, like their shirts and all of that are fine. Um, yeah, for our style, if you like kind of the shirts at Western Disney parks, you probably won't like the designs as much at the Tokyo parks. Very mm. different. However, they just have some stuff that is ridiculously cool. Like... As you brought, you got the little hand pump that does the foamy hand soap oh, in the yeah, shape the of Mickey, Mickey shape. Now they stole that, really cool. and now they sell that at all the U- the US parks as well. That's not okay. Uh, they also Disney have a lot of collectibles. They have little collectibles at the moment that are like little fast pass machines, even though they don't have fast pass anymore. But it's like, That's fun. Um, they have those little cars. You know that like people go crazy for some reason. Those cars are really expensive. Oh yeah, the little like little Tommy cars. cars. Yeah. People go wild for those. Um, and I guess that's all we have to talk about. No, right? no, we have two more things to talk about. Oh. We've got, uh, I don't speak Spanish, so I'm sorry. Uh, saludos amigos, uh, which I think means salute. Hello, amigos, people. does it mean? Oh, like, I don't know. Saludo- I don't speak Spanish. I already said that. <laughs> saludos. That was when we find out uh, there's a Spanish restaurant in Sydney when, when you looked it up. Salute. It means regards or greetings. So it does mean hello. Oh, so greetings, Do I speak people. Spanish? 
I didn't oh, know, but be. I guess I do. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> you just found out on the podcast <laughs> that you speak Spanish. But then they've also got another, like, meet and greet location. These are both separated from each other. One's a trail and one's just, like, a greeting dock. Which I, I will say... I think, yeah, is this is the Saludos Amigos, is that where you meet uh, Donald, I want to say, maybe? That's where you meet, like, it's Donald, but in, like, expedition gear. And I remember they also had, like, Chip and Dale and all of that. Uh, like, it's something about so, it's Tokyo, Disney. Because the other oh, yeah. one is is called Mickey and Friends or something. Mickey and Friends greeting trails. But then, like, Donald meets at the other one, meaning Donald and Mickey aren't friends in Tokyo Disney Sea lore. Have they you ever watched the shorts? Oh, yeah. yeah I think it's true. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I looked it up. Donald. Now Duffy meets there instead. Ah, because of course he the... does. It's also currently right now as we're recording this. It's a seventy-minute wait to meet Duffy and a twenty-minute wait to meet Mickey. What's absurd is this park currently doesn't have season passes, mm. so somebody is paying. Whatever the day pass is, because you can only get single day passes. You have to buy a pass for every day that you want to go. Um, and that means somebody is spending 70 minutes of like of their, their day. one day ticket. Which could probably get I, you that's on. That's absurd to me. At least maybe, you know, one of the top tier rides and probably two of the mid tier rides in that same amount of time. Though from what I remember, and I might be wrong here. But aren't, like, the actual meet and greets where you meet Duffy and all of that, they're a lot longer than in the US. I mm. swear, like, people go into rooms for, like, five minutes and then well, they come back out. They do a lot out. of things where they, like, I've seen it in a lot of vlogs and stuff where they take pictures of the characters just as much ah. as they take pictures with the characters. So if they have, like, a Duffy, they'll, like, take their Duffy and they'll interact with the Duffy meet and greet and the Duffy will interact with them. And then they'll give their Duffy to Duffy, take pictures of Duffy with Duffy, and then they'll get in and take pictures of themselves with Duffy with Duffy. It's Duffy Inception. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute though. I like that. Some of the pictures, I see pictures of like Duffy with a Duffy in a costume. Very cute. That's cool. Like if you've got you know, the costume and that. Maybe it's that thing where yeah. you get the Explorer's costume and then you meet Explorer Duffy. It could be kind of like a collector's thing. Yeah. You know, like you want to get the costume, but then you also want to like seal it by having Duffy meet them. I, I get it now. Which means they, I, they, they I don't... understand. They don't hug and shove, which is which is rare. So, the uh, yeah. if you don't know, the US, US parks actually have... Just like the attractions have hourly capacities they have to hit, so do the character meet and greets, meaning that character performers are incentivized to hug and shove. Give Mm. them a hug, take a photo, push them out of the way. (laughs) Next. Which you feel when you're there, like, because they'll usually bring in a couple of people at once. Mm -hmm. And unless it's like super quiet, unless you're meeting Elsa at midnight, which we did once, um, which I can't remember why. I think we were on our way out of the park and Uh, we're like, oh, it's five minutes for Elsa. We're trying to do, I think we're trying to like, you know, when you get there and you're like, I'm going to do every attraction in the park. And then you're like, Mm. I haven't done the character meet and greet trail, princess meet and greet. So you do it. And then you're like, yeah. I, I, I did every ride in the park, but I probably would have rather rode Space Mountain again. <laughs> I did every ride in the park, but at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I 
I feel that. I I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm stalling because now we have to talk about the hangar stage. All right. Let's get it over and done with. We've seen one show in the hangar stage. The hangar stage currently, don't I don't believe, has any shows. It did open a Road to El Dorado style show with the, the characters, which shows me... To me, the fact that they replaced this original Out of Shadowland show with a character show says maybe it didn't connect just as much with local audiences as it didn't connect with us. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the reasons why we went into this show is because we heard good things about, like, the effects and all the staging and all of that. And we're like, you know what? We got some time to kill. I think we ended up, like, getting some popcorn. It was very it was hot. So, it's second like... Second day in the park. We'd mm. done Big Band Beat, so we knew that this park had spectacular entertainment offerings. Yeah. <laughs> We'd seen Fantasmic so we... as well. We went into the hangar stage and we sat down and it was advertising this show, which was called Into Shadowland or was Out it of Out of Shadowland? Out of Shadowland. Um, I will That's say- That's what I wanted to do at the end. I wanted to get out of Shadowland after <laughs> I saw this show. <laughs> it was the most confusing stage production I've ever- ever seen and you know part of that was because it was all in japanese which doesn't help um, yeah. and That's in fairness, fault, we need theirs. to preface this by saying this is our opinion and our perspective it doesn't mean that it's bad it's just that we were watching a japanese show as english speakers and, and it we were like oh well at least we can appreciate maybe the uh the the music the and the singing and all that was kind of cool like the set the projected they had like set. cool puppets and stuff. Yeah. But can I try and give my rundown of this show? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, basically it starts off and you're introduced to this cast of, I think, teenagers. Mm. And it's like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. You know, this is the all-inclusive scout. So everyone can join, no matter what gender you want. Because I remember there were boys and girls. And there was also like, there was a scout leader who was kind of mm. hot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, they introduce all these characters and there's this girl who comes along. Girl sings a song, no idea what about, but it was a like a ballad. And then she kind of like, she either got knocked out or fell asleep. And then when she woke up, suddenly she was in this mysterious place. But all of the people who you met at the start, who were like part of the scouts, now come back as like animal people. Yeah. And the hot guy is now like a stallion. Oh, yeah. That's right. He's like, <laughs> he was the like a king centaur. of the Shadowland people or something like mm. that. And she was like, from what I could gather, she was the chosen one because they like gave her a sword or it was something like mm. she believed and then suddenly the sword appeared she and, like, to, like, in this enchanted garden. Yeah. yeah, it was like all of these like dark shadowy thorns started coming out and it was cool because they had like these big inflated puppets that like filled the stage mm. and there were vines and she would like cut them up and they would go and there was like this huge battle and then she ends up like saving the day. There was... I will say, in that time, that took about 30 minutes, what I just explained, because there's a lot of songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. None of it's which I could and follow any. Give them, like, where it's due, I'll give them respect. It was live sung. Yeah. Like, it wasn't pre-recorded like a lot of Disney shows. It was live sung in Japanese, um, which and is very different good. to, like, like, Big Band Beat, which is live sung in English. So, we went into it, you know, with an expectation which might have been our own fault, but yeah. 
And as a performer, like there are certain things that transcend language. Um, singing was really good. So all of the singers were on pitch. Everyone was doing an amazing job. Um, all of the performers like were really into their roles. Like I remember the centaur guy was like the he hot guy. Comes Is off, the hot yeah, guy? the hot guy, yeah. the hot Japanese man goes off, comes back as the centaur. He's not wearing a shirt anymore <laughs> from what I remember. He was like just buff and he was super into his role. And I remember he was always like up high. Mm. Um, and from what I remember, I think there was like a, a love thing about it. Like she had a big crush on this guy. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I vaguely I've remember kind of that. And a like, bit out. I remember there being like acrobatics at one point. There was like people on a wire, like similar to the "Can you feel the love tonight?" part of I don't remember Festival that. of the Lion. King. You might have been having a little little nana nap this part of the show. I might babe. have had a snooze back yeah. in these days. My bum was actually comfortable to sit on, so I could sleep on things. <laughs> now everything hurts. <laughs> like I don't know. This it's so hard to explain because when we we got out and we looked up oh we forgot at the end everything's a dream so that's the yes. ending so she was like knocked out yeah i don't know she was chasing a bird and then at the end she wakes up in a tent and it's very wizard of oz ooh did it happen because the people are the same people that were in a dream was it just a dream was it real it's like she gets a wink from the centaur guy that's like oh <laughs> was it a dream i remember like this vague thing that was like oh maybe you know like he kind of remembers but um the very sweet thing is that this was apparently a passion project yeah, from a tokyo disney imagineer what is your yeah and, like, he pushed Tokyo Disney for so long to do this original production because that's something that we should preface as well, is that there is no music from any Disney production in this whatsoever. There's no characters it's all either. original. There's nothing. No. It's only ever existed in this location, in this park, fully original. There is full, if you want, there's full POVs of the show. Mm. Um, not POV. Did you call it a POV in the show? There's a full recording of the show. Yeah, like um, a pro shoot. They've got like multiple different um, Which I angles. don't think we were able to film when we saw the show. So no. I wonder if towards the end of its life, it was like, all right, just film. I don't care anymore. It was probably that thing where they're like, oh, you know, maybe if this does well, this could become like a show later on. That could be like a, a Broadway show or something like that. Um, because people love their Broadway style shows in this yeah. park. And it's something that even that was at, Universal Studios back when they had their Wizard of Oz land. Mm. Um, they had like a 45 version of Wicked, which yeah, but was now they wild. Have the sing so. on to a weird furry show. Oh, I don't like that. But I've seen pictures of that. It's horrifying. Show. Yeah, that um, is terrifying. But I feel like I feel bad for this guy, but. <laughs> Gonna, I think it's not it was, okay. Here we go. Is this the worst thing in the park, or is Nemo and Friends Sea Rider worse? Nemo and Friends. Yeah. So because there you I go. will say it's not the worst thing. You can't see it anymore anyway. Well, you can watch the video. I, I will say Out of Shadowland was at least inspired. I didn't relate a lot to it, both because I just I thought all of the music was quite. Um, non-memorable even as somebody who when i listen to music i don't listen to lyrics mm. i listen to like the melodies and all of that most people will be like if you ask me after listening to a song what the actual lyrics were i wouldn't even know i just listen to the but sound you could hum it. and apparently people like 
listen in two different ways. It's really interesting. Like most people are lyrics and then the other people are melody listeners. Um, but I just, I didn't connect to any of the music. I thought the visuals and all of that were nice and the puppetry and all of the costumes and all of the performing was good, but it was also just weird it's because bizarre. why is this in it's a Disney park? Weird. Yeah. Like I understand. It's kind of like everything, even Big Ben Beat. Big Ben Beat's like, it toes the line between being like just a good show and a Disney show because the characters mm. are there, but you could kind of almost remove the characters from Big Ben Beat and it'd still be like a good show. All around. With this, it really feels like I just walked into a regional theme park in Japan who got funding from the government to put on this ridiculously high-tech, expensive show. And there's this mm. little old man creative who's worked at the park for 40 years and he's finally got to bring his dream to life. Like, and good on him for that. But I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Also, I've talked to other people who don't speak Japanese and they thought this show was decent. So maybe we just the the time, like the mind frame of mind we were in or it was so hot and sweaty. We just were looking for an excuse to take a load off our feet. I don't know. Well, remember as well that we've also seen a lot of shows and we've been in a lot of shows. So we know a little bit more and probably are... I don't mean to sound sound snobbish when saying this, but we're probably in a bit more of a position to criticise a stage production mm. um, than some other people may be. And so I don't know the people who you said who have seen this and said that it was decent, um, but it's just that thing where it's like... I just I didn't connect with it. That doesn't mean that it was bad. Especially, there were still lots of really park? good elements. It's Big Ben Beat, like... I understand if it was the only show and you said it was good. If you compare it to Big Bam Beat, I don't see how you could think this is better. I think as well they probably serve different purposes. Like, this was very mellow. It was, like, the music was very melancholy. There was lots of ballads, whereas Big Bam Beat is just, like, energy. Go to end, where it's just 100% the entire time. You just leave being like, whoa, whereas this was, like, what? What happened? Um, <laughs> it was all a dream. Even That's the finale. Yeah, like it didn't end after the battle where it was like, yeah, you know, lift the sword and then mm-hmm. uh, massive lights, everyone bows and leaves. It was like they did the proper show outro where it was like, oh, it was a dream. Now yeah. let's continue our journey and all of that. Yeah. Um, it's cyclical. It, yeah. it ended and started in the same place. But how could they? They're so silly trying to write original songs to Tokyo Disney Sea. If you're going to walk out of Tokyo Disney Sea humming one original song, it's not going to be from Lost River Delta. There's no way in hell the song you're humming is going to be from Lost River Delta. It will be from the land that we talk about on the next episode, Arabian Ooh. Coast. Oh, did you get Look, we'll talk about oh, it in six a, months, but that was a segue. That was a better half. segue than the ones that you ride. The one that I think we've mentioned this we've like twenty times on the podcast. You <laughs> if you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> well, I think that does it mm. uh, for Lost River Delta. Somehow we managed to talk about a land with uh, two rides, a transit seamers stop and show uh, for an hour. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> right. Hey, at least Arabian Coast. How long could we talk about a carousel of flying carpets for? But we've also got to talk about the Magic Lamp Theatre. 
<laughs> That's a big if you know, oh. you know. We're going to have to think about how to talk about this show. It's- I've spoken about that with some people where it's like, oh, I start the show with the... um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the okay, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, we've got some big teasers for next week's episode. The most hummable song next the week show. You mean twenty twenty four when we eventually get back around to this? Hey, we're fifteen episodes away from the big one hundred episode special. So oh, wow. make sure you stay tuned for that in half a year time. Yeah, well, if you would like to get into contact with us about our questionable opinions for a production that was not in our native language or uh, what we might be talking about next week, get into contact with me on Twitter at ReviewTimeDom. You can find me at ReviewTimeLuke. You can find us both at Time Review or Review Time everywhere else. That will do it for this week's episode. We will be back in a fortnight time to talk about something. Yeah, we, it's time for us to get out of Shadowland right now. Bye. 